let's get into the, today's message. Okay, um, I'm so glad you're here today because um, we're starting a brand new series called Back to the Basics. And maybe you've heard this phrase before, when you're preparing for something, right, or when you really want to get better at your craft, whatever that may be, right, when you really want to know what's important in business, in school, in an activity, whatever it is, you'll hear this phrase, well, let's just get back to the basics, right? And one of the best examples of this happens to be a story that I heard not too long ago of Coach Vince Lombardi. Y'all know Coach Vince Lombardi. Uh, For those of y'all that aren't familiar with the name, you probably know it by the uh, trophy that's given for the Super Bowl winner, you know, the Lombardi um, is given at the end of the year. But he um, was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers um, for so long. In fact, he won the very first two Super Bowls ever played. But anyway, one year, Green Bay lost in the championship game to the Eagles. And they blew a lead in the fourth quarter. And they were so upset about it, they thought about it all off-season. And when it came time to practice for the new season and everybody got back together, Coach Vince Lombardi went back to the back and he grabbed a football. And he brought it in front of the guys and he says, Gentlemen, this is a football. And then he did something that nobody um, was expecting. He grabbed the playbook. And he started teaching from page number one, and he just took his time, and he went through page by page after page. And finally, everybody caught on to what he was doing, and one guy in the back while he was teaching raised his hand, and he said, coach, 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 could you slow down? You're going too fast. (laughs) And he said, everybody kind of laughed a little bit. They said the coach kind of cracked a smile, but then he went right back to teaching where he had left off. And it was so cool. Is it just the coach's way of saying, you know what? We got to get back to the fundamentals. We got to get back to the basics. And six months later, Green Bay beat the Giants 37 to zip in the championship. So it's a great story and a great reminder. I heard this a couple months ago. Uh, fundamentals first, right? You got to keep the main thing the main thing, right? Like I said, focusing on the basics is important. It's important in sports and business and, and life and also in what we do here. You know, the same could be said about the church. Together, we're a team, right? And I'm the coach, and it's good every now and then to explain the fundamentals. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the basics. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why this is important. It's because if we really understand the fundamentals, if we really understand what we should, and, you know, what we should be focused on, Right, that what the strategy really is for us, then what we'll do is we'll gain a win for the kingdom of God. It's guaranteed. Because these fundamentals that I'm going to break down over the next couple of weeks, this isn't anything that I thought up. Okay, this isn't my plan. What I'm going to share with you over the next couple of weeks, it comes straight from the Word of God. Okay, this is, this is what it means to be a part of a, an amazing church family, a Christian community. So, so what are the basics? Well, when we look at Scripture, what we're going to find is that there are five purposes that come from very two great pieces of Scripture, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, okay? And when we live these five purposes out, when we live these values out, what it does is it gives us value, okay? It gives us balance. It gives us a purpose in what we're doing. 
And some of you might hear these fundamentals and you say to yourselves, man, this sounds so familiar. And I hope it does. I, I really do. Like, I hope that these things, that, that you've heard these, that these are kind of sticking with you. Because every couple of years, what I try to do is I try to go back and kind of hit these points again because this is what's important. Like, this is what our focus should be. And we need to be reminded of these so that we can keep moving towards growing a great church that makes, not, not just a great church, but a church that's making an impact for the kingdom of God. That we're doing what we're meant to do. So let me start off with the scripture that gives us these five values. Okay, two, two different kind of summary teachings from Jesus. And, and this is good because everybody likes summaries. We, we like summaries. Um, you know, I, I love, you know, after... You know, watching a political debate, you might listen to a commentary or something. Somebody give like a summary statement. Or, you know, I, I don't think that I could have made it out of high school without Cliff's Notes. Anybody else use Cliff's Notes? And yes, absolutely. Like, it's important. Give me a summary of what I just read because I don't understand it, right? Um, the news app, when I'm going through the, you know, the basic um, headline is such a good summary statement that usually I don't even read the article. You could write anything on that headline and I would believe it and go on to the next story. So, you know, it's just we, we like summaries and we like taking stuff that's a little bit more complex, you know, that's a little bit harder to understand. And we like putting it into something that we can take with us, that we can use. And no, nowhere better is this than in Scripture, because everybody looks at the Bible, everybody looks at the Gospels, everybody looks at Paul's writings or Jesus' teaching, and they're like, oh, goodness, I just can't, like, I don't understand what all this means. And it's no different for us now than it was for them back in Jesus' time either. They had a hard time trying to, you know, just get to the basics, like just try to wrap their minds around what Jesus is teaching and what we should be doing. In fact, there was this common phrase back in Jesus' time when somebody needed to understand it a little bit better, they would ask a teacher or a rabbi that's been teaching, you know, like maybe they've been teaching for like an hour or so. They would come up to the teacher afterwards and they would say, can you tell me all that again while standing on one foot? And it wasn't their way of being disrespectful, it was just their way of saying kind of like in a nutshell, like how we might say that. They were like, you know, you, you've been teaching so long about this, that, and the other, could you, could you just wrap that all up in the amount of time that takes you to balance on one foot? And this happened one time for Jesus in one of these um, pieces of scripture that we're going to look at. By Matthew chapter 22, a lot has been going on with Jesus. And he's just made the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he's teaching about the kingdom of God. He has this, this weird moment where he curses a fig tree and then he teaches about what that means and he turns over the tables and the temple and he preaches three different parables and he starts talking about taxes and Caesar and all this different stuff. So, so somebody comes up to him, a religious expert, and basically says, what's the most important commandment? Okay, but he comes up to Jesus and he's like, whew, I mean, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot's happening. A lot has been taught over the last couple of days. Jesus, if you could just summarize everything for me, if you could tell me again while standing on one foot, what would you say? Let's read Jesus' summary statement. So he says this in Matthew 22. He says, here's what it comes down to. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two 
commandments. So this is the first big summary statement that we're going to focus on. This is called the Great Commandment. And then another time in Jesus' ministry, at the very end, he's gathered all his disciples together, and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he's got one last time of teaching the disciples. And so he looks at the disciples, and he gives them kind of a summary statement of what they need to be about. Not just them, but for future generations and the future church that's coming. What should the church be about? What do these disciples need to do next? And this is what Jesus says in this summary statement. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, from these two great kind of summary statements from Jesus, what we find are we find the basics of our church. So what are the five values? Here's the five values. Number one, and you can write these down if you got your message notes. I think they're already online on the message notes that are online. But if you got your message notes and you want to jot these down, here's the first one. Go and make disciples. If you focus on that phrase from the great commandment, we put this as found people, find people. Okay? And then the next one is this, baptizing them. It's the next phrase. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. Well, we, we phrase this as the core value of you can't do life alone. And then also in the great commandment, he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. I want you to teach people to follow after me. So we put that value as grow, growing people change. We want to be about life change here at the Ridge. And then from the great commission, we find this. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart. We say worship is a lifestyle. It's not just something you do here on Sunday mornings, but man, this is a lifestyle that you live out, loving God, worshiping him. And then the last one, he says, to love your neighbor as yourself. Second grade, the second commandment is just as like the first. We, we put that saved people serve people. So this is it. Okay, so these are the basics. Right here, the fundamental prim- principles that promises success to any church to expanding the kingdom of God. So basically, as we're looking at the past 2021, and we're heading into a new year of 2022, and we've already begun this year, we're going to walk through these values over the next couple weeks so that we can claim this year and keep gaining new ground for the kingdom of God. And for today, what I want to do is I want to start with this one. I want to start with you can't do life alone. You realize that, right? You weren't made to be by yourself. You were meant to be a part of a church family. Now, this basic principle, it comes from that statement that Jesus says that we're to go out and baptize people, okay? So let's talk about baptism for just a minute. And uh, baptism at... In the Methodist church is, um, you know, people are confused sometimes when it comes to baptism because, you know, we tend to sprinkle people in the Methodist church and we, people get a little confused because they've only seen dunking and, you know, that kind of thing. But truth is, we do all three forms of baptism here. We'll, we'll sprinkle people just because it's easier up here on the stage to do that. But we can also be Baptist. We can dunk people. 
You have seen me pull in a baptismal font sometimes. We've dunked people here. We've dunked them in pools. around. The, um, I've celebrated in the river a couple of different times. There's also something called pouring, um, which is where you dump somebody. You just dump a bucket of water on somebody, which um, the reason we don't do that is it's messy, and I don't think Brookstone would approve. Um, but that is a way too. But we celebrate every way. But the, the reason I bring that up is because how it's done isn't important. Okay, the, the method isn't what's important. What's important is what it symbolizes, right? In baptism, what's happening is that we are identifying our lives with Jesus Christ. When we're baptized, it's symbolic of our sins being washed away. When you go under the water, when the water covers you, Basically, what that, what that is symbolizing is your sins are being washed away. When you go under the water, you are dying to yourself. And when you're coming out of the water, you are a new life in Christ. Clean. As Scripture says, whiter than snow. His blood washes away our sin. We are a new person in Jesus Christ. And that's why we say so often here at the Ridge that we want you to experience Jesus Christ because when you experience him, when you really understand that love, we say that it changes you. It changes who you are. You are a new person. So that baptism, what it's doing is it's symbolizing a new life, but also what it's doing is it's a testimony. It's proclaiming the goodness of God. It's a testimony of saying, you know what? I am part of God's family. When we're baptized, I'm publicly saying, I'm with Jesus Christ and I'm with you. Like, I'm with this church. That's why, that's why it's so hard to do baptisms just on, you know, I've had people contact me and they want to do baptisms. Can, can we just do it at my house? You know, just, a, just us, just a few people. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not. Your baptism is a testimony. Like, it's a story of a changed life. Like, you are being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You are belonging to him. But you're also, it's a way of saying that you're belonging to the church family. This needs to be celebrated with your church family. Because you weren't meant to do this by yourself. You're not meant to be alone. That's what's so beautiful about this. You are coming into the family of God. So when you're baptized, man, you're brought into that family. So we understand then that the family of God, it's more than, than just a building, which is what people often think of when they think of the church, right? When they talk about so-and-so church or whatever, they'll say, oh yeah, well that's that building over there. But, and we know this better than anybody. You know, the, the, church, the church is a family. That's what it's all about. And let me just talk about being in a family a minute because when I say that, I know that there's a large percentage of people that hear that the church is like a family and they're like oh that's so sweet like I love the church being I want to be a part of a family and then there's other people that hear me say that about families and they're like ugh, don't know about that because maybe you didn't have the best family growing up maybe you don't have such a great example of what a home life looks like the problem is a lot of people haven't had great experiences with families in their family so this idea of a church family is a little difficult. And the reason it's difficult sometimes is because we have to understand that people are broken. People are sinful. People are complicated. And if that's the case, then doesn't that just lead to messy churches? You know, sometimes, 
Some, the church family is just like any other family. And, and, and some people are thinking to themselves, okay, well, Jimmy, you're not, placing, you're not painting a very good picture of the church family then. But, but here's the good news. The good news is, is that God uses messy people. Right? You, you may remember a message a few weeks ago of how we talked about how every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And if you need a good example of what God can do with a messy person or a messy family, just look at Scripture. Just read any story in the Bible, and you'll see what kind of work God does. One of my favorite stories has to be the story of Jacob and Esau, two brothers that were just at odds from day one. Jacob was such a mess. I mean, he was such a menace. He tricked his brother. He lied to his father. He took what didn't belong to him. He, Jacob tore this family apart. And then when he was confronted about it, what did he do? He ran away. Nobody could find him. And he's on the run for years and years and years and years and years. Until one day Esau, his brother, that he had lied to, that he had stolen from, Esau found Jacob. And by this time, they both had large families. They both had a lot of servants. They both kind of had an army at their disposal. Esau more than Jacob. And because of everything Jacob had done, he was scared. He was scared because he knew Esau had found him. He knew that there was going to be a confrontation. So on the day, on the day that they were supposed to meet, here, here's what Jacob did. He's so scared because his family is so dysfunctional at this point that he divides his family up into three different sections. And here's why. It's that if Esau attacks Jacob, maybe he'll just attack one section of his family and the other two can survive and run away. That's how scared he was. And when the two finally come face to face, two very messy people with a very messy past, a very dysfunctional relationship, God brings peace. And they hug. And they celebrate. And there's forgiveness. And there's reconciliation. And God is at work. And it's a beautiful, amazing story in Genesis. So you know what? Is the church full of messy people? Oh yeah. Absolutely. All over the place. Every church, right? But, Every sinner's in need of salvation. Everyone needs the help of Jesus. And if we are united in Christ, I believe that he can continue making this church family into an amazing family that people want to be a part of. And that's what we're after. We want to be that amazing church. We acknowledge the fact, yes, we're messy, but who isn't? But you know what? We're united in Christ, and we, we are with each other. And we want God to use this to continue to advance the kingdom of God. So with that being said, I want to give you three choices that you can make that will help, help you strengthen your relationship within the family of God, okay? So what makes for a healthy church family? Number one is this. If you got your message notes open on the app, you can fill these out. How to have a healthy church family. Number one, you got to choose to be connected, okay? You got to choose to be connected. Truth is, some families don't choose to be connected, they don't choose to stay connected or, or have much connection with each other. We need to make the choice to join with the church family. Two things I want you to know about joining the church family is the book of life and baptism. Let me go back to this. 
One way that you choose to be a part of the family of God is by accepting Jesus Christ. You know what? It's just like me holding up the football to a football team saying this is the basics. Let me, let me start with the basics. If you want to choose to be a part of the family of God, you've got to choose to be with Christ. Okay, when you accept Christ, like I said before, Christ is alive within you. It brings a changed life. And you are brought into the family of God. And we get to live with him for eternity. We get to be a part of a relationship with Jesus, but also with our church family, with, our fam- with the family of God forever. Think about that for just a moment. When you accept Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Right? And one day, one day, when this world is gone, And we're standing with Christ. This is what it says in Revelation. It says, look, God's home is now among his people and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. And we'll be in his presence. What an incredible future we have when our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you know what? Here's Here's the truth. God wants everybody's name to be written in that Lamb's Book of Life. He wants you to choose, but he's not going to make that decision for you. He's going to leave it up to you. You have to choose to be connected. You have to make that choice. If you don't want to choose to be with him, it hurts. It hurts him because he loves you so much, but he will allow you to make that decision. But for those who choose to be with him, eternity with him and with the church family is what we get to inherit. Now, if you're new this morning or you're watching online and and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you know what, Let, let let me teach you how to do that. And also, also, here's the deal. I know that most of you in this room, if not all of you, have already accepted Jesus Christ. So here here's the deal. Don't tune this part out because being a part of a great church family means evangelism, what we're going to talk about later. I want you to be able to help other people come into the family of God. So you need to know this too. Now, I've got this great little acronym that I love sharing. It's from your ABCs. So you may know somebody in your life that needs to understand how to know Jesus, or you may have a child. You may have a child that's going to come to you one day and they realize they're a part of a wonderful family here on earth, but they want to be a part of the family of God and you can teach them how to make that happen. And here's how you do it. You start with A, you got to admit that you need Jesus. Admit that you have sin that needs to be forgiven. And once you do that, once you ask for forgiveness, number two, you believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe in his death and his resurrection. See, I have to believe that he was resurrected from the grave. I had this conversation not too long ago. Why is it so important for me to believe that Jesus died and was resurrected? Because without resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sins. You understand that, right? Like, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're still stuck with our sins because it has not been defeated, it has not been taken away. But since he did, since he broke the power of sin and death, then he promises that for all of us too. So that's what we believe. We believe that Jesus died and was resurrected. And then the C is I commit my life to Jesus. And you know what? I I may not know exactly what that means. I may have to work on that. I may have to learn more about it. But as much as I'm willing to do, I am am here to commit my life to Christ and I'm going to take it one step at a time. And I'm going to move into the future with him. 
And then once you've done this, once you've accepted Christ, and the next step, like I said, is to be baptized. And when you're baptized, like I said, you're brought into the church family. And again, the reason this is important, and I hope that you're out there telling people this, those people that don't know Christ as their Savior, you can't do life alone. You're meant to be with Christ, and you're meant to be with the church family. That's how you're wired. Accepting Christ, being baptized, that's, that, that's how we make that work. So number one, we've we got to choose to be connected. I gave, I gave you an action step in those message notes too. An action step is if you haven't taken Membership 101, what are you waiting for? Come on, let's do it. i got another one coming up on February 13th. You can register online and be a part of this wonderful church family. Number two, we've got to practice sharing. Number two, how to have a healthy church family, we've got to practice sharing with each other. Now think about this for just a moment. And let's give ourselves kind of a little bit of a progress report. I used to love this. When I was a kid, I don't even know if they do this anymore, but do you remember how you used to get a conduct grade on your, on your report card? How many of you remember getting a conduct grade? How many of y'all got bad conduct grades? Let me see. Ooh, look at all those bad people in this church. Look at there. Um, I used to always get a great conduct grade. Teachers loved me. What can I say? But if there was one area that I could work on, if there was one area that always came back, guess what it was? Oh my gosh, <laughs> you are exactly right, that was perfect. I didn't think anybody would actually participate. <laughs> and you know what, usually what went along with talking too much was talking too loudly. For those that y'all know me, yes, people always say, I always say this, um, people will come up to me and say, I didn't see you in Walmart, but I heard you in Walmart. So anyway, um, Talking, that was my conduct. But, well, you know, when you got your conduct grade, what usually it was all about whether or not you could share, right? Whether or not you could share with other people. Like, if you could share your things, share your feelings, share your emotions in the right way, right? A lot of that had to do with sharing. So with that in mind, you know, when it comes to sharing, think back to that early church family, the very first church family that we see in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Let me show you what a great example they give to us as far as being a part of a church family. It says this. The believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And shared their means. They, They didn't just share it, but they shared it with joy and a lot of generosity. All the while they're sharing... They're praising God and they're enjoying the goodwill of all of his people. Look at how many times that word share is used in just a few sentences describing that early church. So maybe when it comes to this area, maybe give yourself a little conduct grade. When it comes to being part of the church family, how well do I share? Because if I'm sharing, oh man, it just makes the church family experience so much better because I'm not meant to do everything alone. I need other people. How well am I sharing? And you know what? Sharing means different things. Number one, it could mean your talents. It could mean sharing your talents with your church family, being willing to share your time on Sunday mornings, whether it's helping Robbie with the lights or helping Nathan and Autumn with the kids or being out front, being a greeter. You're sharing your time and your talents. You know, it could mean um, sharing a weekend. You know, the, the ladies have this 
amazing women's retreat coming up in February, and I think there's like 60 registered so far. It's just, it's just going so great. Uh, what about sharing a weekend to be connected, choosing to share to be connected with your church family in that way? It could mean sharing your resources, right, and learning to contribute in this new year. A new year is always a great time to start a new habit if we're not already Thinking about tithing and contributing to your church family. There are so many different ways in practicing to share with others and sharing more. But if you do, this is one of those ways that will help you have more of a connection with your church family. So I put an action step on there in your message notes too. And I just put, you know what, pray about your time. Pray about sharing more of your time. And the reason I bring that up is because we're going to start journey groups here for the spring. We're we're already looking forward to the spring semester and moving into Easter um, season. So we're going to be talking more about journey groups over the next couple weeks. Maybe, Maybe think about sharing more of your time and being connected with your church family in that way. And then the third thing, third thing that makes for a great church family is that we just, we we got to be able to share love. We got to share love with each other and with those outside of the church. 1 John 3.16 puts it this way. John says, we know what real love is. How do we know what real love is? It's because of Christ's example dying for us. That's what Christ did for us. He died out of his love for you and me. And so what that means for us as believers is that we ought to lay down our lives for others. We love others because Christ first loved us. And we show that love when we're willing to sacrifice our wants and desires for him and for others. When we're more interested in making this connection work and this connection work, rather than just always focusing on me. And when I show love, man, that helps strengthen the connection within the church family. I can't tell you how many times I Google search somebody's name because I'll see them on TV and the way they act and, and, and the way they express love for other people and what they're doing, I'm like, that must be, that's gotta be a Christian. They gotta be a part of the family of God. And usually I'm right because when you see that type of love, man, it's just undeniable, isn't it? it it's like, it, it's a way that we identify ourselves as believers. It's almost like a kid, like you'll see a kid walking around and you're like, that is so-and-so's child right there. I mean, the way they look, the way they act, there is no doubt about it, that is so-and-so. And they say that the same thing is for us when we share love with other people. People are able to look at us and say, that is so different from anything that I've seen. They have to be a Christ follower. There's no, nothing else that makes sense than to say that they are connected to Christ and with a church family. And I want to know more about it. Scripture says this. John also says this in John 13. He says, everyone will know, all people will know that you are my followers, that you are my children, that you are part of the family of God if you love each other. That means when we practice being patient and kind and gentle, all those fruits of the Spirit, but especially showing love, it proves to the world that Jesus Christ exists and that we are part of his family. So with all that being said, is the church family perfect? No, not at all. But the good news is, the good news is, is that God loves to use messy people. God uses everyone. And I believe that God wants to use each and every church family to continue to expand and to help other people understand who he is. But in order for that to happen, we got to practice the little things 
right? Fundamentals. I mean, we, we got to practice those things that will make us a, a healthy church family. So let's practice by, by bringing others into a relationship with Jesus Christ, helping them get connected to Jesus, helping them get connected with the church family. We got to practice by sharing ourselves and our lives with one another. And we got to practice loving, loving one another so much that we're willing to sacrifice our wants and desires for Jesus and for each other. And the reason we do these things is because we weren't meant to do life alone. You can't. You are called to belong. And I am so thankful that God is building such a great church family right here at the Ridge. Let's pray together. God, God, we thank you so much for accepting us into your family. And even though we acknowledge that we're not perfect and we've sinned, and God, we fall short all the time. God, you still pour out your grace in our lives, even though we don't deserve it. And you welcome us into your loving arms, just like any loving father would, just like that prodigal son, just like that father did when he ran down the road to hug his son. Thank you for accepting us and loving us that way. And God, I just pray for anyone that maybe has never accepted you before. God, that they would make that commitment today. God, touch their hearts, whether they're in this room or whether they're online, that they would walk through the ABCs of salvation. And God, if there's anybody that hadn't been baptized, God, I pray that they would take that stand, be bold enough to make that public affirmation to to show, to give that testimony that they're with you and that they're part of a wonderful church family. But Jesus, help us to practice the right things. God, help us to be a church family that brings others into a a loving relationship with your son. And God, help us be willing to share our lives with each other, especially those of us that are in this room. And God, help us to be willing to sacrifice for one another and sacrifice our needs and our wants for you, for your kingdom. Because we know, God, that when we do these things, God, we know it makes for a healthy church family. And we know that people will want to belong here. And we want that. We want that for you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.